Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. A science story, huh? These NYU scientists, they... And I felt, it felt, felt I feel right. I was so and I just thought, well... I figured it out. It was that golden moment. Because science was on my side. Hi everyone, I'm Ben Lilly, and welcome to the Story Collider, where we bring you true personal stories about science. This week's story is from Nathan Ball. It was recorded in March 2016 at the Koshland Museum as part of a collaboration with the Merseyon Science and Technology Policy Graduate Fellowship. I love math. I love math and I love science, and I love them both because they are exact. So when I was a student, I loved getting an answer to 10 significant digits better than anything else I can imagine, and I hated, I was so mad, when I would be judged based on somebody's opinion, and I wrote a poem and it wasn't good enough. Well, why? Prove it. Prove it. So that was, that was me as a little kid. Now, I was the kid, I was in kindergarten, I remember telling my parents all the time how hard it was going to be for me to decide between going to an Ivy League school and Oxford. And they're like, Oxford? And I'm like, yeah, why not? I mean, I thought I knew what I was doing. Um, I invented crazy science fair projects. I uh, borrowed teeth from a classmate, soaked them in soda to see which one was most corrosive. Um, it was Coke, by the way. Um, they, we, I put plants in the microwave to see if I could maybe get them to sprout extra leaves or something like that. And they all, you know, they died. So I put my mom's house plants in their place and in my project. And she's not, she doesn't know about this yet. She's going to hear about it when she listens to this recording. So (laughs) hi, mom. Um, But these were the sorts of things that I did as a kid. I was uh, trying to be a mad scientist. Um, Into high school, I thought I knew what I was doing. I was going to be get ready for college. I entered the Science Olympiad. I built bridges out of balsa wood. I did all of these side projects because when you love math and science, you try to find every single avenue to do it. And so I did. Um, And it was great. And it paid off. I got a full ride scholarship to a little university in Oregon. Um, I ran off the day I graduated and started studying physics. And I was so excited. I loved living at school. I mean, if you can get any nerdier than that, I, I was living at school. It was, how could, it was great. It was amazing. Um, until it wasn't. And I woke up the second week of my sophomore year and I sort of had a change of heart. And I, I was going through maybe the, the, the college years, but I suddenly realized that I was living a very rigid, structured life, 
And maybe there was something else out there. Maybe I wanted to see what else I was capable of doing. So against the advice of my friends, my family, their friends and their family, uh, I filed the paperwork and I dropped out of college um, just like that. And that afternoon I went and I sat in the cafeteria and I had tacos. <laughs> my uh, ID card was good for one more day. So, so I, had, I was sitting there and my friend Gail comes up to me and she says, I, I heard through the grapevine that you're leaving school. Like you of all people, you, what are you, why? What are you going to do? Move to Ireland? Ah. So I did. I left... I left the all-nighters of studying and homework behind for the all-nighters of building uh, cubicles in a mouse maze for tech workers at Intel and saved up all my money and found myself six months later playing the bongos on the streets of Galway, Ireland, while a friend of mine juggled fire and knives and another friend from England yelled at people to give us money. Um, And so we, we did this. We did this every night. Uh, until we had enough money saved up to buy a bottle of Old Sailor Jamaican rum, which we would then dance around the streets, we'd sing songs, uh, we'd then go back to our tiny little apartment in Salt Hill, and we would wake up in the morning and have tea and toast, and then go work together at this chip shop making fish and chips. Um, But even that was too structured. (laughs) That was not what I left school for. I wanted the adventure, the one you think you've read about, but no one has ever actually had. So I went out on my own and became a hitchhiking vagrant. Um, I traveled around Ireland and I worked for day's wages. I worked for room and board. Uh, I stayed at hostels and hotels. I stayed anywhere I could. Some nights I didn't stay anywhere, Um, but there were less of those nights than there were nights where I was home. Um, I did all kinds of jobs. I cut grass. I handed out flyers. um, But mostly I worked in kitchens. I cooked food and um, threw parties for people. And that was really exciting. But along the way, I met this amazing cast of characters. Um, The very first stop, I asked an elderly couple whose house was off in this field if I could fill my water bottle from their hose. And instead, uh, I helped them with the burn pile in the backyard. They brought me in for lunch. We sat and talked. Um, And then after lunch, the, the wife brings me back to the mantle. And there's this uh, set of bronzed baby booties sitting there and she says, you know, my son died in a motorcycle accident when he was your age and it's just so amazing to have you here and we shared stories and we, we looked at photo albums and, and we spent the rest of the day together. They filled my water bottle and they gave me a sandwich and, and, I, and I was back on the road. Um, there was a shopkeeper in Wicklow. She refused to sell me a loaf of bread. She says, you can't have bread with nothing in it. So she wandered around the store and she came back with a sack full of groceries and she handed it to me and she wouldn't take the last of my money. She made me keep it and she said, no, if my son were out there in the world, I would want someone to take care of them. And so this is for you. I met Sonia from Sweden. She was one of the first loves of my life. Um, I met the king of the little people, but that's a story for another time. Um, it's a good one. <laughs> And all of this was happening during the signing of the first peace accord that finally ended the violence between the Republic and the Northern Irish uh, government. Um, This was before the Euro. This was before the EU even existed. This was chaos. I made every decision by flipping a coin. This was what I was looking for, and it was glorious. But it can't last. You can't live that way forever. So 
I came back to the States, um, as you will when you're from here. And I learned to play the guitar, and I continued my uh, sort of lifestyle where I joined bands and I traveled. I went on tours. Um, but so often I would find myself in the garage with my best friend Cliff answering questions out of an old physics textbook just for fun. Um, and I knew that there was something, there was like a spark in there still of that person who I had been before I had left who hadn't, had, that hadn't burned out. I just didn't know where it was going. Um, so eventually, I decided to go back to college and look for it. Now, I can tell you one thing. The first time you drop out of college is really, really hard. The second time, not so much. <laughs> so, at the time, uh, I bought a bar. Um, I thought it was a good idea. Nine of my friends and I put all of our resources together. We bought a bar and we ran it as a cooperative. So each of us owned 10%. We all worked full time. And I was going to nine o'clock class every day. Um, that's a recipe for success. Uh, so basically, I knew it was time to go. After my first year, I won an award for being a great writer. And then I failed my English class because I never showed up. And that class was in the afternoon. So you can imagine how the morning classes went. Um, it just it wasn't the right time. It, it seemed ill thought out. So I went back on the road. I, I did the resort scenes for a while. I worked at the ski resorts in Colorado. I would fly out to the beaches of Maui. I would do this back and forth. Occasionally, I would wear an Aloha shirt in the background of an Adam Sandler movie when the occasion arose because it paid pretty good and there was free food. Um, and he's a pretty nice guy, actually. Um, but you do these things, and, and I'd probably still do, be doing them today. I'd still be there, but I got a call one day, and it was my mom, and she says... I've got some bad news. Your, your grandmother up in Alaska has slipped on the ice and she's really hurt herself badly and we're going to have to take care of her for a while. And so over the course of several months, uh, my 89-year-old grandmother who had broken her leg um, and the diagnosis was pretty, pretty dire, uh, everyone in the family took turns going up and staying with her and, and helping her to recover until the family was just simply out of resources. And then there was me and I don't have a serious commitment. I don't have a job. I don't have something that I can't pack up and leave. So I sold my surfboard, my beach cruiser bicycle, and my geo tracker that I had bought, put the top down and never put it back up. And I went up to Alaska to live with my grandparents. During that time, I started a conversation that's going on to this day. It's called the bathrobe summit with my grandfather. He's a retired philosopher. He's a professor of philosophy and religion. He is a theologist, a minister. He is a worldly man who loves nothing more than history and the place of people in it. And our conversation was about our family, was about the country, the world, injustice. It has ranged and still ranges on every topic you can imagine. It is the seminar course to end all seminar courses. And somehow during that conversation, that spark that was in me that I knew was still there was rekindled. And so after several months of caring for my grandmother until she was on the mend and able to walk and able to care for herself to the extent that she was able to, I reentered college. I moved on to graduate school. I came to the Koshland Museum and I told this story. And I still love science for its exactness and for its precision, but I have a much greater appreciation now for the messiness that is life and that 
all of our research and all of our science exists within because that's what we're doing and that's why we do it, is to perpetuate this thing that we're all a part of. Thank you. That was Nathan Ball. Nathan is a Christine Merzan Science and Technology Policy Fellow with the National Academy of Sciences and a Space Policy Graduate Fellow in the Elliott School of International Affairs at George Washington University. Nathan's work is primarily focused on the development of international cooperation for the exploration and development of space and in supporting STEM education initiatives such as the NASA Space Academy. The Story Collider is produced by me, Brian Wecht, Aaron Barker, Ari Daniel, Christine Gentry, Skylar Bear, Shane Hanlon, Rosie Waldron, and Liz Neely. The podcast is produced by Rose Eveleth. Additional help from Brooke Williams, Lena Groger, and Justin Ambrosio. The theme music is by Ghost. Special thanks to the Koshland Museum for hosting the show, to the Merzion Science and Technology Policy Graduate Fellows for being amazing partners, and to a lack of structure for... Thanks for listening. <laughs>